He's an amazing God, isn't he? And if you believe in God, then you believe in the power of God. And the power of God means that he can change anything that's gone on in our lives. And I believe that's what God wants to do right here today. And maybe you've come into this place, and we're going to get into it in just a moment. In fact, you can go ahead and be seated. But how that we come with all of our hurts and habits and hang-ups and addictions and problems and sin patterns in our life. And we're like, how are these things ever going to be broken over our life? And the reality is we can't do it on our own. We simply can't. I heard somebody say one time, they were actually had set a goal, you know, that they wanted to accomplish. And, and they just couldn't find it within themselves to make it happen. They had to seek some outside help. And the outside help communicated to them a valuable truth that we can't fail to ignore. And the person said to them, if you could do it on your own, you would have already done it by now. You can't do it on your own. You need help. And all of us need help. And we're going to look at that today. So I'm so very, very glad you're here. Can we give the Lord one more hand clap of praise? Well, this morning we're going right back into the book of James. We took a, a week's departure uh, from that for Mother's Day, of course, and what a great day that was. But we're going back into James. We're going back into James chapter 1 uh, today. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at that. But just before we get back into James chapter 1, there's a passage actually that sets up what we're going to be talking about. And this passage is out of Romans chapter 7. And it's not James, but it's Paul, but it's something that he spoke. Actually, he spoke this over 2,000 years ago, yet from the time that he spoke it until this very day, it has is, it is resonated with Christ followers throughout the ages. And the reality is, you and I have felt this way. I know I have, can't speak for you, but I think all of us have probably felt this way, not just once or twice, but probably many times, maybe it's what is occurring in your life right now. So the guys are going to put it up on the screen. This is Romans chapter 7, and we're going to start at verse 15. Uh, many of you are familiar with this passage, and let me just share it with you for a moment, and then we're going to dive right in. This is Paul, great church leader now. He says, I do not understand what I do. I, I don't get it. I don't understand. And he gets into the dilemma. He gets into the consternation as to what is going on. He said, for I want to do, for what I want to do, I do not do. For what I want to do, I don't do that, but I actually do what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it. And he's not trying to, you know, bail. He's not trying to take, uh, you know, uh, fail to take personal responsibility. He's not doing that. It is no longer I myself who do, uh, do it, but he acknowledges something that all of us have to acknowledge, and that is, it is sin living in me. That's my problem, he says. I know that nothing good lives in me. That he, he says, that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Let me just stop for just a moment. How many of you have ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, I really know I should do this. I know it's what God wants me to do. Deep down the core of who I am, I want to do it. Why? Am I not doing it then? And then look at the next verse. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This is what I keep on doing. And all of us, I know that every person in this room has struggled at various times with these exact questions. Why do I not do what I want to do, what I know I should do? I mean, we've all been there. This is what I need to do. This is the direction that my life needs to turn in. This is what I need to do. This is what God would want me to do in this situation. Then why is it so difficult for me to do it? 
On the other hand, we've had this struggle. Why are there certain things that keep tripping me up in my life? These are the very things that I do not want to do. In fact, even more so than that, I've even determined that I will not do these things again, that I'm done, finished, final, that's it. Never again, no more. And yet, these are the words of Paul again, I do what I do not want to do. And it's a struggle. And you have felt that struggle. And I have felt that struggle. And there are tremendous thinkers and writers and practitioners who are wise in regards to spiritual life and human nature, and they state, and this is so important for you to understand right out of the gate, that they state that the first thing in dealing with this problem is to acknowledge reality. And that's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to try to shock you back into reality. And Paul gives us a great jolt of that in verse 17 when he says, the problem is this, it is sin living in me. So when I think, why? when I want to do this, when I know I should do this, but I don't do it. And on the other side, there are these things I know I should not do. I promise I'm never going to do them again. I don't want to do these things. But he said, all right, at the end of the day, here's the conclusion. I've got sin living in me. I've got a problem. And this takes us back to the insightful, practical words that we find throughout this great New Testament book of James. And I want you to look. This is James chapter 1. Look at verse 21 with me. So this is back to James. He says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Now, we could just take the same word that Paul uses in Romans 7. Get rid of all the sin. Get rid of all, debunk all the sin that is in our lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. Read the rest of it with me, everybody now. For it has the power to save your souls. Has the power to save your souls. Now, Get rid of it. Just, you know, I was doing a lot of study on this. It's almost like a changing of clothes. Take aside these old garments. Set them aside and take upon yourself something new. Allow God to change you. Allow God to help you to lay down these habits and patterns and addictions. And and I want to talk about that for this little bit of time that we have together. In fact, let me just uh, tell you how we're going to do it. I want to walk you through, first of all, and I'm going to need you to just stay fully engaged for the next few moments. I want to walk you through three levels of sinful or destructive behavior, starting at what is sort of a low level, sort of a superficial level. Not that it's not important. It's just the easiest level of all to change in our lives. But then at each level, it gets more and more intense. And this is, this is going to connect with you because many of you have been there or you're here right now. And so we're going to walk through three levels of sinful or destructive behavior. And then what I'm going to do, sort of the second part of this talk before we're done, I'm going to flip that and I'm going to give us sort of three action steps. Because if I stop midway through, I'm just telling you, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to be like, oh man, is there any hope for me? Where do I go from here? What do I do? Am I trapped? And you're not. And that's why we need to look through and talk about the whole message. All right, so level one, you may want to get this down, your, your tablet, your iPad, somewhere you can make a note. Uh, three levels of sinful or destructive behavior. Level number one, this would be primarily sort of a careless behavior that you've just not spent a whole lot of time thinking about. It's not, you know, uh, it's not just in the front part of your brain. You're just not thinking about it, and if you thought about it more, you would make change. And change actually at this level is not extraordinarily difficult. And, And it may be, and I'll just give you a couple of examples. I could give you 50 examples, but let me just give you two or three. 
Uh, an example of this could be saying, you know, as a mom or dad, you know, I, I know that in the evenings I'm watching way too much uh, TV. I, I know that, you know, I'm spending a lot of time on Facebook. I know that I'm, I'm, I'm surfing the internet. And, and I know that I'm spending a lot of time doing that when if I would think about it a little bit more, I'd set all of those things aside and I would have better connection time. I'd have better quality time with my kids. But I just, man, I, I just, you know, and I look, wow, where did that hour go? Where did that, you know, time span go? And it's just not in the forefront of my thinking, but I need to get it there. And if I do, it's not like it's going to be a major, major challenge for me to change. I just need to think about it more and then set out a course of action. It may be something like saying, well, you know what I need to do is I need to develop a personal budget. And, and I need to do that. I need to develop a personal budget because I'm spending a little wildly and I don't have structure. I don't have perimeters in my life. And so I just keep spending a little bit recklessly. And because I'm doing that, you know, I don't have money to put in savings. I'm not really knocking down any debt. I'm not really tithing the way that God wants me to tithe. I don't have any money to advance kingdom purposes when it's my, in my heart to do that. I can't help the poor. I can't help the needy the way I really want to help them because I don't have structure in my life. I just take a check and I spend it and I'm like, where did that go? And I wish I had more left over. And so for you, you know, it's maybe not going to be a major, major change. You just got to get it in the forefront of your thinking. Maybe you're going to have to invite in a little bit of accountability, somebody that can help you with the discipline of that. Uh, It could be a situation where you're like just you know, I, I don't know what's going on with my attitude. I'm just feeling really grumpy lately. Anybody in this room, by the way, uh, know what it's like to feel grumpy? Can I just see here? Do you ever have you? Do you ever feel grumpy? How many of you for you, uh, what, what it takes is for Jesus to meet you in the morning with a cup of coffee and then things get better, okay? How many of you, that's like you. It's like Jesus has visited me after I had a cup or two of coffee. But you just feel, you know, you just feel a grumpy and maybe become a little bit detached. And uh, I heard it said one, one time, said, hey, do you wake up, asking a lady, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? And she said, not really. I let him sleep in. So just a thought, just, just something for you to think about. But maybe you'd say my attitude stinks, but, you know, it's not out of control. I see it for what it really is, and I'm going to get back on track. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow my attitude to be adjusted. Maybe it needs a little bit more. Maybe it needs an overhaul. But it's, you know, at this level, at level one, you're able to change. You just need some motivation. You need somebody like me to just say, hey, put it back in the forefront of your thinking. You know, put it to the front part of your brain. And, and I would just say this, change is easiest at this level. It is easiest at this level. It's not a, never going to get easier to change than at level one, which is, uh, you know, it's a careless behavior because I'm not spending enough time thinking about it. But I'm going to do that. And, you know, with God's help, I'm going to make the necessary changes. That's level one. All right? Level two. Level two is more intense. It really is. Level two, uh, you may want to get this down somewhere. Level two is a pattern of behavior that you have become attached to. Is now clinging to your life a little bit. Doesn't have you fully encompassed, but it's clinging to your life. It is a pattern of behavior that you have become attached to. And again, I'm just telling you, friends, this level is much more intense. It's not a minor change to say no more at this level. It's not level one. Level one among the three is more superficial, easiest to change, but not this one. In fact, let me just say, and you'll know you're at level two, And some of you are going to just connect with this right away. 
because at level two, there's this, and this is Romans 7 now, so a little bit of what Paul was talking about. There is, at level two, this part of you that really wants to stop, wants to stop doing what you're doing, this pattern, this behavior, this addiction, this, you want to stop, but yet, truth be told, you're conflicted by that. Because if you were really forthright and honest, fully about it, you would say, yes, there is a part of me that really wants to change, that wants to stop, that wants to say no more. But I'm conflicted because if I'm really honest about it, there's a part of me that does not want to stop. In fact, at level two, to say no more, I'm done, finish, may actually feel costly to you. It may even be painful to you because you've grown more comfortable with the sin. You're more attached to it. At level two, you're going to do more. You're going to need to do more than just have some light shed on this behavior. You're going to need more than just somebody saying, all right, you know fundamentally what you need to do, and you've gotten a little careless, and you've just drifted, and maybe you're tired, maybe you're overworked, maybe you're just a little stressed, but, but put all that you know, aside and bring this back into the forefront of your thinking. You can do that at level one. Level two is more intense. You're going to have to do more than just push the sin pattern to the front of your thinking so you can deal with it. Most likely at this level, you're going to have to access some help. You're going to have to get some support. And I'm going to talk about that in the second part of of this talk, so I'm not going to deal with it in great detail right here. But most likely at this level, you're saying, okay, this is not just me saying, all right, you know, I can do this. It's not going to be really hard. It's going to require some discipline, but this is, it's not mega change as of yet. At level two, it's probably going to be you inviting a friend or a mentor to help bring some accountability into your life. It's level two. And I want you to hear this. It's so critically important. If you're at level two, and you know you're at level two because it's like this thing is attached to me. And, you know, there's a part of me that wants to let it go. And there's another part of me that does not want to let it go. And if I do let it go, it's not going to be painful. It's not going to be easy. I'm not sure that, you know, you know you're, you're at level two. And here, please, please, please hear what I'm about to tell you. I urge you. I plead with you. I beg you to whatever you're doing in that regard at this level to stop it now. Why do I say that? Because I can promise you, if you don't stop it now at level two, it's only going to become a lot worse. It's only going to get worse than what it is right now. So stop now. It's not easy. It's not as easy as stopping at level one, but I promise you it is easier than stopping at this next level that I want to mention to you. Again, we're talking about patterns, levels of sinful or destructive behavior. Level three is this. Now it is a fully entrenched pattern, a habit, an addiction that has you firmly in its grip. I mean, this, this is now like, okay, now it's not just that I have it, but it's like it has me. And even in days when I say I'm done, it's like I feel I can't get away from it. It's like everywhere I go, it is on my heels, plaguing me, shouting, shouting to be satisfied. This is level three, and it is the hardest of all levels. It has you firmly in its grip. Simon Well has written this, all all, uh, sins are attempts to fill voids. Let me say that again, that all sin are attempts to fill voids. Because we cannot stand the God-shaped hole inside of us, 
He writes, we try stuffing it full of all sorts of things. And, and, and we do this all the time. It's like, well, I'm not really giving God full reign in my life, full obedience. I'm not disclosed every area. Of, not every area of my life is open to God. And so when I, because I'm not giving God full sovereign reign over my life, I have all these gaps in my life. And I just keep trying to fill them up with things because, you know, they're painful. And the way they make me feel is not comfortable. And I can just fill them with more and more stuff. And please hear me. Please hear me on this. If you have some sinful or destructive behavior in your life at this level, then the reality is you're going to have to say, you know what? I'm going to have to invite people, God, in in such a degree. In fact, it, it is absolutely possible, listen now, at this level to be gripped by behaviors or addictions that stand in stark contrast to deeply held values and beliefs that you have. It may be that you say, you know what, if I, was, if I was trying to encourage anybody else, if I was talking to anybody, if anybody else was experiencing what I'm experiencing in my life, I would look at them and I would boldly assert, stop, you need to stop that. That's going to wreck your life. That's going to damage you. That's, that's going to destroy you. Because what you're doing is in conflict to values that you have. It's like pause. Again, it's Romans 7. It's like what I know I should do, I'm not doing. And what I know I shouldn't do, and I have deep convictions I should be doing it, but I keep finding myself doing those very same things. In fact, let me put it this way. It is at level three that most usually this happens when a person, and many of you in this room have, have done this, where you have made a thousand promises that you are Done, finished, ended, finality, done, it's over, finished, right here, right now. And you've promised that a thousand times, and yet you find that you fail again and again. I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. I'm done this time. Never. And if this is you, if this is you, fairly, unfortunately, fairly common among people, is, is that you will you will begin to almost loathe yourself or hate yourself for your weakness and for your lack of self-control. You get angry with yourself. You're so fright, like, oh, I can't believe it. I've done it again. I, I said I was done. I said, no more, finished. That was it. Ah, you know, like, oh, why, why do I? And you'll get frustrated and start affecting your self-worth. In, in fact, we know that Paul struggled with that. The reason I know why we struggle with it is because Paul said it. Do you remember what Paul said back in 24 of Romans 7? He said this. Here's his language. He said, what a wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. In, in another translation, it reads exactly like this. What a, miserable, what a miserable person that I really am. What a miserable. And that's what happens at this level. At level three, it's like, you know what? It is now so gripping of your life. I am so miserable because I say I'm done. I say I'm finished. I know I need to stop. I know this addiction needs to be done. I know this pattern of sin needs to be broken in my life. I know this habit is not only hurting me, but it's hurting my family or it's hurting people in my life that love me and care about me. But it seems that I cannot stop. It has me in its grip. What a wretched person I am. I feel so miserable. I hate the fact that I've made all these promises to God and to people and to myself, but I can't stop what I'm doing. That's why I say it's so important to try to stop at level two because level three, it's like a whole nother beast. 
I read this not long ago. From the source that I read it, I believe it to be accurate, although I've not really done complete validation of the story, but it's in regards to the eagle, and this is what it says concerning the eagle. In an ever-narrowing circle, he floats above the Niagara River. He spots a deer carcass on an ice floe heading toward the Niagara Falls. The eagle believes he has time to eat and fly away before the ice reaches the falls. He says in his mind, I am free, I am strong, I can fly away at the last moment. And so the eagle circles down to the carcass, sinks his talons into the carcass, and begins to eat and eat, feeding his deep hunger. All the time he can hear the increasingly loud noise of the rushing waters, but his mind tells him, it will be okay, I can fly away, I will fly away at the last moment, I can get away, I can get away from this anytime I want, I can just, I'm free, I'm strong, I can break this any moment. What the eagle though does not realize is that his talons have frozen to the carcass of the deer, and when the moment comes for flight, the eagle is unable to escape and goes over the falls. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people do it. I'll break three. I'll I'll be able to do this. I can tell you, I have had this conversation with people so many times that when I hear somebody getting ready to say it, I can can finish their sentence for them because I've heard it from so many times. People struggling with addictions and habits and hang-ups and sin patterns where a person, I've, I've heard it a gazillion times now. I can stop Whenever I want to stop. I, I, I can stop. Whenever I want to stop. Really? Then why haven't you stopped? I, I can stop. I have people look me in the eyes. You know what? I can stop. I know it's wrong. It's not really, you know, I know it's not really productive. I know it's hurting me. I know it's hurting my family. My family wants me to stop. My friends have cautioned me. They see that what it's doing to my life. I, I know I need to stop. I know. And I can stop. I can stop whenever I want. But they're not stopping. And why aren't they stopping? Because now it's not just something that's attached. It's something that has them in their grips. And again, everywhere they turn, every time they look around, it's there. Now, those are the three levels of sinful, destructive behavior. First level, I just need some motivation. I need to put it in the forefront of my mind. Second level, more intense. At the second level, I am more attached to it. I am I'm more attached to it. It's, it's really clinging to my life. To break free from this habit pattern, you know, is, is not going to be an easy thing for me to do because it's now a part of me. And in fact, if I stop it, there's going to be some pain involved. Part of me wants to stop it. Another part of me, that's my, the reason why I'm conflicted. All right. Now, level three is just, it's fully, you know, I'm, I, I realize it or I need to realize it at least, that it fully has me in its, in its power, in its grip. I can't, I can't break free. All right. Now, how many of you are glad that we're not ending the talk right now? I know I am. Aren't you glad? Because we'd walk out of here like discouraged, depressed, hopeless, like, you know, how am I going to break? How am I going to remember what Paul said? I, I see what's going on. He said, I know what it is. It's sin. Problem is, it's sin living in me. And we've walked through those three levels, but here's what I want to do, because you may be wondering, is there any hope for me? Will I always be trapped by this habit? Will I always, I have dealt with this addiction in my life for so long, is there any hope that I'm ever going to be able to break out of it? Is this sin pattern so entrenched in my life 
that, you know, I, I just need to accept it and just realize it's going to be a part of my life into my dying day. And I'm just telling you, you don't need to do any of those things. Here's what I want to do in our remaining time. I want to give you uh, three action steps, you know, of any of whatever level you may be at, three action steps that we can take, all right? Let me give you the first one, all right? I'm going to give you three. The first one is to acknowledge be sure you get this now, to acknowledge the truth about yourself. Acknowledge the truth about yourself. This is our painful admission. And many of us, most of us in this room need to do so. And to make this painful admission, I have a real struggle with this sin in my life. I cannot fix it on my own. If I could, I would have done so by now. And I need God's help. It's to be true to yourself. It is to say, you know, this is that first action step. You know, acknowledge the truth about me. And it may be that you're going to need to forthrightly declare that this thing, this habit, this pattern, this, this addiction has actually become a, an idol in your life. And you're like, hey, Jeff, aren't you getting a little carried away with this now? I mean, I get it. But like, you know, isn't that a little bit dramatic? You're, you're now saying it's my idol. Isn't that like Old Testament people bowing before these pagan images of gold or stone or whatever? No. And the reason I mention that, Timothy Keller has written this. He says, and I believe he's true, he said that idolatry is the sin beneath the sin. That idolatry is the sin beneath the sin. Just listen to what he says. He said, anytime that I sin, I'm allowing some competing desire to have higher priority than God and God's will for my life. That means that in that moment, I put something on a pedestal higher than God. That something is my idol all sin involves idolatry. It is the sin beneath the sin. And it may be that the most significant step that you need to make right now is to admit that you've got a problem. To admit that I've got sin in my life, that I've got a habit, that I've got an addiction, that I've got a problem. It is to be true to yourself. That's a very important, because you can't, you can't receive help from God or you can't receive help from any person. If you're unwilling to admit the problem in your life, and Paul said, according to Romans 7, that when we're struggling like this, the problem is sin on the inside of us. And it may mean that you have to admit to say, you know what? I'm hurting my life. I'm hurting around the people around my life. I'm, I'm so tired of the hurt. I'm so tired of the, of the pain. I hate this guilt. I'm so tired of the shame of all this to be real with yourself and to say, I've got a problem. Fulton Sheen was a very popular Catholic priest back in the 50s and 60s. And I want you to look on the screen at what he says. Look at what he says. He says, the only unforgivable sin is the denial of sin because by its very nature, there, there is now nothing to forgive. I mean, how can God forgive us of sin that we won't even admit that is a part of our life? So the first action step to help us to break out of our habits and hang-ups and patterns and addictions is to say, you know what? I need to acknowledge the truth about myself. All right? That's one. Number two. We need to step into the light. Step out of hiding. Step into the light by sharing um, our struggle with a person that we can fully trust. Let me say that again. To not only admit that we have a problem, that's where it's all, you know, these other two aren't really going to be helpful if the first is not in place. I must admit I've got a problem. 
I've got a habit, I've got an addiction, and I need God's help, and I need the help of other people. So we admit it, and then we come out of hiding, and we do that by sharing that struggle with somebody that we can trust. Now, a very, very important caveat, last few words, with somebody that we can trust. Well, Pastor Jeff, how do I know that I can trust them? Test them. Test them. You say, what do you mean by test them? Tell them something that is not like the really big deal. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Tell them something that is not the really big deal and then ask them to keep it confidential and see if they will. And if they can even keep the small things confidential, don't make an assumption they'll keep the big things confidential. You say, well, I don't even know. Make something up if you have to. Make it up and ask them to keep it confidential. And if they can, you can trust them. You got to find people. If you're going to come out of hiding into the light, then you've got to find people that you can trust. You know, a lot of times we think, you know, a lot of times people think this is how confidentiality works. All right, somebody tells me something in confidence, and so I've heard it, and I've told them, oh, yes, this is in confidence. Yes, yes, you can trust me. And, and they can to a certain point till I find somebody that I'm really close with that I believe can keep confidences. And, and they told me this, and I'm telling you what they said in confidence, but you can't tell anybody else who they say. And I'm telling you in confidence that so-and-so told me about so-and-so, but you cannot. Do I have your word? You promise you won't tell anybody? I won't tell anybody. And I'm just saying, you know, that's a lot of times why people are frightened to come out of hiding and to be honest with people because they're not sure who they can trust. But there are people that can be trusted, and you just got to know who your real friends are. You got to know the people that you can really trust. You got to know the people that will really keep confidences, that you could tell them your deepest, darkest secret with full confidence that they would never breathe it the rest of their lives, that they will, as I mentioned in a setting recently, that they will carry it to their grave. But you got to come out. One of the chief problems with sinful behavior is that it pushes us into hiding. You hear what I said? That one of the problems with sinful behavior is it pushes us into hiding. We see that. How do we know that? How can I say that so confidently? I can say it because it shows up in the very first sin ever mentioned in the Bible, the sin of Adam and Eve. Prior to that time, it says that, that they were just like totally open for God. In fact, it says in the Garden of Eden, up until the time that they sinned, it says concerning Adam and Eve that they were naked and unashamed. And they were just like totally out, out in the open and they didn't have anything to hide from God. And the Bible would say that God would come down and he would communicate with them in the cool of the day. And, and they were unashamed. They didn't have guilt. They didn't have shame. They didn't have remorse. They didn't have pain because of their mistakes. But what happens, what is the very first thing that you notice when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, it immediately pushed them into hiding. Now, here's the problem. Please, please listen. How many of you are still with me? I need you to wave your hand at me because you really need to understand this. Here's the problem. When you and I take a pattern, a habit, an addiction into hiding, what it causes us to feel is it causes us to feel more lonely and more isolated. And when we feel more lonely and more isolated, it drives us deeper into that problem that we've got in the first place. So it's like, I don't have anybody. I can't you know, I, I, you may be even by now have acknowledged that you got a problem, but who am I going to, you know, I, you just stay in hiding. You just stay in the shadows. Like, if, if I tell somebody, that they're not ever going to think of me in the same way. Well, they love me the way, like, they've loved me in the past. Will they still be my friend? Will they give up on me? Will they, will they quit on me? 
And the more you go into hiding, the greater you will feel lonely and isolated, which most likely, as I mentioned, will drive you deeper into that destructive pattern. So what does James say just four chapters later? Look at this. Look at this up on the screen. This is James chapter 5. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that God can do what? So that God can heal you. Keep that up, guys, for just a moment because I want you to notice this progression. This is a three-stage progression. What does it say for us individually? We confess. We find somebody that we trust in, that we know that can keep confidences. We come out of hiding. We come out of the shadows, and we disclose that because we need somebody to help us and hold us accountable, a trusted friend, a trusted family member, a mentor. And we, and we come out of hiding, and we disclose that. We confess it. And, and then James says there in chapter 5, and we pray for each other. And we got people praying for us. So we're confessing. We got people praying for us. And then it says from God's vantage point, what God does is God heals us in that. God helps us. I confess. I've got people in my life I can know, love, and trust that are going to pray for me. And God in the process heals me. He helps me. And I just want to encourage you to talk to someone that you know. Talk to somebody that you trust. Go to them. And again, if you say, well, I don't know that I can trust them. Try them with a the little stuff. See if they can maintain that. If they can, give them a little bit more. And, it, and you will find. I'm telling you, they are there. I know. I know why we are shocked and afraid. And we're like, nope, I'll never do that. I'd rather keep this to myself. But there are people that you can trust. Find the right people. Have the right friends. And ask for their help. And talk to someone that you know. Talk to somebody that you trust. It may mean that what is going on in your life is so complex that you need to talk to a professional Christian counselor. It may mean that this has been so packed into your life and is so complicated and so across so many fronts, spiritually, emotionally, uh, from a psychological standpoint is what I'm trying to say. And it may be that you just need to sit down with a counselor and just say, okay, here's what's going on in my life. Could you help me? A trusted let me just say Christian counselor, somebody that's going to bring the Bible into it, not just psychology, but it's going to bring the Bible and God into the equation. How many of you are still with me? Wave at me again. Let me give you one, one more. This is so important. We're done. This is a third action step. When you say no more, when you say no more, I'm done, finished, no more, and you've done the other things that we've been talking about for the last few moments, then you're going to need to live in God's power let me tell you, one day at a time, one day at a time. Jeff, how do you know that? Because I've said that to God many, many times before. I've said, God, I'm not asking you for strength for next week. I need strength for today. God, I'm not asking you for strength for next month. I'm living in this day. I need your strength, your power to be activated in my life today. Now, why is that so important? And I'll show you why. Look at the words of Jesus. This is Matthew chapter 6. Look at it right up here on the screen. I want you to see this. You've got to see this. Jesus said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Read the rest of this with me now. Everybody, 100%. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know why I don't need to be worried about tomorrow? I've got enough problems today. Isn't that true? I've got enough problems today. And let me tell you how this works. 
This is why a lot of people feel defeated. This is, a lot of, this is why a lot of people, can I just say it this way, are defeated before they even get start, started because they look at it. They're like, how can I have? This has been such a part of my life for so long. I've struggled so long with this habit, with this addiction, with this sin pattern. I've struggled, and I know I need to change, and I want to change, but this, and how am I going to, and how is my whole life going to, and, and from the get-go, they feel so overwhelmed, and they're defeated before they even get started. Instead of saying, you know what? Today has enough trouble of its own. I need God's help today. Today. And the beautiful thing about it, I hope you'll see this, is that when you ask for God's help today, and God gives it to us, we get up on a whole new day. And I've done this. I know this works. And we say, God, I need strength for today. Not for, not for the next week, not not. For next month, I need strength for today. And it doesn't mean that we'll never fail because the evil one's always there with guilt and condemnation. And, and you may, there may be, and it's like, oh man, golly, I didn't want to, but I, I failed. Heard somebody say this one time, anytime you get knocked down, while you're down, go ahead and pick something up while you're down. And when you get back up, say, you know what, I got knocked down. Got knocked down pretty hard. But I picked something up and I've learned something. It's going to make me stronger and wiser. And beautiful thing is you get enough of these days like that, like I pray, God's just strength for today, strength for today, strength for today. And you get enough of those days strung together. And that constitutes a changed life. And you'll get to that stage in life where you'll say, oh my, I never would have dreamed. But you see that every step of the way, every day by day, God gave you the strength that you needed. And you get to that point where you say, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not sinless. But oh man, I sin less than I've ever have. And this that so had me in its grip, it doesn't. You string enough days together. And it constitutes a changed life. So when do you get started? Today. Isn't it amazing how we are in our human condition? You know when we want to start? What day of the week do we want to start everything? Monday. Don't we? How many of you said, you know what? I'm going to start exercising. Good. Go to the gym. No, no, no. Not today. No, no. Monday. I'll go Monday. Can't go today. It's Thursday. You can't. God knows you can't start anything on Thursday. You got to wait till Monday. Hey, I'm going to start eating healthy. I'm going to eat healthy. I've been eating a little bit of this. I'm going to start eating. Great. That's good. Great. What are you throwing out of your pantry, you know, out of the refrigerator? When are, when are you starting? Monday. Monday. Isn't it amazing? I can't start eating healthy today because it's pizza night tonight. <laughs> so you get the point. Don't say I'm going to start tomorrow. You start today start today. Strength for today. And then when you step into Monday and into Tuesday, strength for today. And I promise you that God will meet you there. Let's stand for a closing prayer. Would you bow your heads, everybody? Everybody bow your heads. Everybody close your eyes, please. Last couple of minutes of this service and we're done. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being so attentive. Thank you for being open to what God wants to do right now, right here in your life. Your head is bowed and your eyes are closed. Everyone 
And if you would say, you know, Pastor Jeff, before we're done today, would you pray for me? I've got a habit. I've got a sin pattern in my life. I've got an addiction. Maybe you're even conflicted with it. Maybe part of the struggle has been that you want to stop, but you don't want to stop. It's Romans 7. But you just say, you know what? I know I'm going to hurt my life. And I'm going to hurt others. I'm going to hurt the people that love me most. I'm going to hurt God's heart because God's got a better plan for my life. And I need God's help. I can't do this. If I could do it on my own, I would have already done it. I'm going to take what I've heard, what I've learned today, and I'm going to ask for the help of others, and I'm going to ask for God's help, and God's going to change me. And if that's you and you just say, I need God's help, I've got a pattern, habit, I ain't got an addiction, would you just let me pray for you? Nobody's looking around. You just lift up your hand real, real high. Lift it up real high. Okay, see your hand, all of your hands. You can put it right back down. Father, you knew this day would happen a long, long time ago. You knew that I would share this message from your Bible on this day and who would be here. And it's your way of saying that you care and that you're going to help us. I pray that nobody would leave here today just saying, I, I can't change. No, God, we can't. We can on our own. That's why we need you. And we invite you. Give us strength for today. Help us to come out of hiding. Help us to bring our life into the light. And God, we just ask for your help and your strength today and then again tomorrow. And God, I know that you will give it to us because you love us and you've got a good plan for our life to give us a future and a hope. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I love you, everybody. Look forward to seeing you right back here next Sunday.